I had better tacos in Guatemala than I had in Mexico. In Mexico. And then pupusas no way. are amazing. What are pupusas? Yeah. There's like a, how do you explain it, but what a pupusa is? Imagine a, a pita bread, a much smaller size, and they mix in uh, either pork skins or cheese uh, or beans or all the above together. Mm-hmm. And that's what goes in the middle before they put it on the pan to cook it. It's all sticky or uh, cheesy and good. And so, so awesome. good. They make this, this call that you can put on, on it uh, that is really, really good, too. I just had arepas two days ago. Those are good. This sounds dirty. <laughs> arepas. Wait a second. <laughs> quite right. Welcome to another episode of Mom, I Joined a Cult, the only podcast about cults by an actual cult. Listen as we examine other cults, discuss what they did right and what they did wrong, and then build our own cult from the ground up. And now your hosts, Gunner, Dawn, Thor, and Nathan. So today we are talking with Roberto. Today's episode is called Mom, I Joined a Coup. But we, it definitely has culty characteristics, and we'll, we'll go and fight about that afterward. We're going to talk about his experience of, of the coup. And is in 1982 is when the coup first happened. That's when it happened, yes. I went and I saw a PBS thing like uh, made about this a few months afterwards. I thought most of all it was interesting how they called, now was it Mayans or Aztecs? Mayans. Everybody is Mayan descent. Are you Mayan descent? I am not. Not that I'm denying my, my, my background, but you have to remember that Guatemala was conquered by the Spanish. And as a result, there is a lot of mixed breeds. There are very few or I should say there is a large population of Mayans that still maintain their tradition and they don't mix with outsiders. Not even if you're Guatemalan and you're light skinned, they will mix with you. Uh-uh. They say from with, you know, people from their own villages and stuff and they speak their own language. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So do they speak Spanish at all? Uh, some of them do, uh, very broken, and some others just don't speak it at all. But uh, Guatemala is Mayan descent. From the southern part of Mexico down to almost El Salvador is Mayan. My comment about it was I was trying to say that they kept on calling them Indians. And I'm just like, it just feels so wrong now. Like this 1980, you know, was cutting edge on the moment. And they're like these Indians down here. And I'm like, Indians, what do they mean? Native Americans? It, it, it is actually an, an offensive way uh, of calling them. I mean, uh, if, if you think about it, it, you're undermining them. You're saying, uh, you know, like you would be offended if I call you a redneck when you're really a hillbilly. But where I'm going with this is if I say you're an Indian, they will look at you and be very offended because they are not. What do they prefer to be called? Reality is 
if you don't know me, what would you call me? You know, yeah, you <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Mira or you come here or, or something, you know, you just don't refer to their race. You cannot. I mean, it's just not polit politically correct. And uh, let's leave politics out for that one thing. But think about it and say, as a human being, it's just wrong. I don't like to be called white. <laughs> it's because you're it's, more pink than white. Well, because it, whenever someone says white, it's always used very derogatory. It's never used as like, oh, you're white. That's awesome. I don't think anybody ever saying a race thing ever comes out as a positive. Standing or sitting where I'm sitting, uh, looking to the other side of the glass. Yeah, I mean... I have always found what what Gunner said that people that say a white guy did this, well, that's derogatory. That is just straight up accusing someone uh, of doing something. And what's the best description? He was white. Well, someone robbed the store. This asshole came in and, and robbed the store. <laughs> What color was that asshole? You know, <laughs> he was I pink. Oh, now by default, he's Gunner. You know, uh, you know. So I couldn't, I couldn't see what color his ass. He had <laughs> pants on. <laughs> well, I took us away from where we're, from where we're going. So at the very beginning of this this doc, the thing that I noticed was it wasn't. The person that was put in power, and I'm horrible with names, so I'm not even going to say them. The 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 president or the one that that came in, he was invited by another general to come in, basically. And it seemed like the whole time that the guy standing behind the president was the one that was running the thing. Like he would not ever come out in the open or talk or do anything without him right behind him. He was the puppet master and the guy, the president, but was like, he even said, like, they asked in the interview, what's, uh, why were you chosen? And he goes, ask this guy. The, the general who, who was standing behind him and it just seemed very, like, almost mafia. It was, it was very interesting seeing all the dynamics of the gorillas that were going and then you have... The, the natives, the, the Mayans that were caught in the middle of it. And maybe they're, they're in the gorilla side or the other side as well. But there's a no-win situation and what was happening. If you're a common citizen, uh, you're in a lose-lose situation. That happened uh, in 1982, I think mid-'82, uh, I'm sorry, or in the beginning of 82. I don't recall exactly. Through that time, I, I was already in college, and we would take trips with my friends, uh, you know, car trips, and go to the different uh, towns of the of Guatemala, and you would find barricades, and, and you didn't know who was stopping you, if it was guerrillas or if it was the military, because in the end, they all were wearing fatigues, and you really did, wow. did not know how to identify them. And they would ask you, you know, get out of the car. We need to search your car. Uh, if you move, we're going to kill you. Things like that. And we would take that chance because, you know, we were young and invincible, um, you know. And <laughs> there was there was a time which was very, very scary. And uh, 
because there were shots and everything all, all around us. We still got to our destination uh, unharmed, just, you know, smelling really funny. But uh, <laughs> reality is that once we got to our destination, we were so scared and so afraid of what was going on outside that we wouldn't leave the place where we were being hosted at. So being a native, living in the mountains, you had everything against you because you were either in favor of the military or the guerrilla. If you were in favor of the guerrilla and the military came, you're dead and vice versa. And those that denied it, I'm not anything. Nobody believed them anyway. So they were dead anyway. So someone that harmed me later in 1983 uh, was leading a, a platoon of military that went into the mountains, into this uh, town of Kolkiche, uh, uh, and they killed several hundred people and just buried them in, you know, common graves. And they have been found, uh, you know, year after year after year. They, they keep digging and they keep finding more dead and more dead because they had given them all as disappeared. Mm -hmm. And so to validate what you were saying, uh, Gunnar, uh, there was this tall guy behind this shorter guy with a big mustache. Uh, his last name is Rios. Uh, was thrills he's uh, passed away he was not bad i i mean uh, those those guys that were up there they came in because the country was going through a really bad situation so they joined together by orders way above the guy behind uh that was standing behind the the big mustache guy and i would like to say that they the orders came from the north okay and they acted on that because Guatemala was going down the drain and someone needed to rescue them. And that's what they did. And in, in rescuing them, they did a full cleanup. And either you were against or in favor, who cares? You're gone. You were found out in the street in the middle of the night without a fair explanation as to why you were there. You were gone. Disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you first count that my friend and I were exactly part of that. In 1983, May of 83, 10, 10, exactly 10 days after Mother's Day, because Mother's Day is celebrated here May 10th. So on the 20th, we were out, you know, just having a couple of cocktails and uh, at, a, at a disco. And my friends, my other friend comes and says, let's go have a smoke. Okay, so we went outside. And we just got grabbed. You know, two of us got grabbed, got thrown in the back of a military truck that was being escorted by a Jeep, a CJ-7, and took us away. How old were you? 1983, that would put me at age 20. Oh, May 21. I was already 21. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I was an adult. For all intended purposes, uh, because, you know, you're an adult here when you're 18. So we disappear from the map. Only that one person that was with us was able to say it was a military truck that took him. And that was the best information that he could have given anyone in our families. Because 
that's how they started the trace. So we were being accused of many things, but the, the reality behind all that was that we had been grabbed because our beliefs, because our families were in politics, because my the friend, my other friend that came, that was taken with me, his dad was a presidential candidate, upcoming. So they were trying to stop him by taking the kid. Make the long story short, because you know we don't want we don't want to keep you waiting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they started a search, and uh, you know my my brother is being much older than I am. Uh, they did their search. My dad, that was very influential, uh, also joined the, the search. Um, that guy with the mustache that you're talking about sitting in the, uh, in the front saying, ask this guy, uh, he was my neighbor from across the street. So my dad crossed the street, knocked on his door, the president. Not not necessarily called them presidents when they're in a coup. What do you call the leader or the, I'm quoting here. It's a dictator. Oh, a dictator? No, you (laughs) wouldn't call him the dictator because he's chief in command, but he was a dictator. Later, it was determined that he was a dictator. But yeah, you don't call them that. They're cho- they're, he's the chief in command of that okay. situation. So my daddy crosses, crosses the street and says, listen, I need your help. And this and this happened. Nobody has seen my son nor his friends since, but they saw a military truck take him. So with that, he ordered an investigation. And so a soldier comes back to him and says, they haven't seen anyone. They don't know anything about it. They just know that a truck came in into this particular place. So he says, but you're telling me that they're not there. No, they're not there. Okay. Tell them either they respond with a positive answer or I'll send a platoon there and I'll go check for myself. So this story was told to me by my oldest brother later. And I could hear in the background from where they were keeping us in in a room, you could hear people asking for us. Oh, no, they're not here. Oh, no, they they haven't been seen. Uh, Even uh, my wife today, who happens to be the sister of the one person that I got picked up with, I heard when she came in into that particular place with her mom asking for our whereabouts. And they said, no, 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 no. They're, they, they're not here. Were you gagged or just afraid of speaking out? We were gagged and tortured. Oh, oh wow. Because they, they wanted more information. They, they wanted to, to, to get to more families. They wanted to get to more politicians so that they could destroy the possibility of a future demo, democratic uh, Guatemala ran by uh, the private sector. They wanted to keep it uh, within the military. But like Gunnar well put it, I mean, it was a group of people that were convinced and believed that the only way that they country could run would be with the military behind it, kind of like a cult. Okay, Uh, (laughs) uh, kind of like uh, what they're doing in Venezuela today, kind of what uh, Cuba did. I mean, why Mm. were they so successful? 
you know, in Cuba. Nobody could get out. I mean, they kept them prisoners in an island. Where are they going to go? I mean, jump a fence? Yeah. <laughs> nice swim. Build rafts. <laughs> so make the long story short, $5 million later, uh, dollars later, um, my friend actually paid he, for his liberty, for his freedom. And now he paid for it or his dad paid? He, his dad paid. His dad paid. We were only kids. So he paid it. And coincidentally enough, that help that my daddy had asked for found us as well. And truth be told, as we were getting out from where they kept us captive for only 24 hours and managed to torture the heck out of us, um, there was a lot of military waiting for us to get us home safe. My brother was there with a pack of cigarettes waiting because he knew that I was going to need a cigarette. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, they took me straight to the hospital because I was in really bad shape already. Let's just put it this way. I was not supposed to be able to procreate because of uh, where the torture had happened. Yeah. Uh, talk about uh, fried, uh, fried uh, eggs, you know. <laughs> like electrocution on your testicles? Yep. But my my kids are strong. And, you know, one of them is a little goofy, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, 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 it was intense. It, it was really intense times. Um, we got our freedom. We, uh, we both had to leave the country, like, almost immediately. Almost immediately. I was in California. May 22nd, to be exact. May 22nd, I was in Concord, California, which is where my uncle had managed to get me out to because his daughter had already been taken out of the country for political reasons because my uncle was up to his neck in politics. So for safety, she, he had re taken her out. Uh, my friend had family in California as well, in San Diego. And uh, so he was taken there and they got us out. I mean, it, it was the only way for us to survive. My dad wouldn't allow me to, to come back to Guatemala until he found the last of the people that did what they did to us. It took him nine years, but he found them. The only reason why my friend came back before I did was because he had more means. He had, you know, armored cars, bodyguards, etc., uh, which we didn't have. And mm -hmm. so he he managed to come back earlier, and unfortunately, he was uh, killed in an attempt to to steal his truck. Three people got uh, in. Uh, the car with him, one next to him, two behind him. And uh, we always carried, we always carried, and to date, uh, yes, I still do. Uh, he managed to take uh, this one out, the one next to him out, but this one behind him uh, got him in the head. Mm -hmm. So but he still got a shot out. So the, the, la the last one, the one right behind him got hurt. He was injured and um, was caught later didn't survive. I don't know what happened to him. So that's state of affairs. And I didn't find out my friend had uh, been killed until I came back to Guatemala uh, 11, 12 years ago. 
and uh, married his sister. So, of course, she gives me the news that uh, my my favorite uh, friend, my best friend, had been killed. You know, so that was sad. As a result of being taken out of uh, Guatemala and being put in political asylum in the States, I couldn't come back for nine years. It took my dad nine years to find the last person. When my dad says, you can come back, I knew he had found them. So this is all the people that were involved in your actual kidnapping, yep, including the one that ordered it, the captain. He was a captain. Is political asylum kind of like protective custody where you have to assume a name or hide who you are? Uh, no, not really. You know, you, you can continue uh, being what you are. Uh, political asylum is just uh, a legal way not to be removed from a country because of the safety of your well-being. Was it easy to stay in the United States or did you have to keep on filing things and take care of people or a lot of paperwork or was it relatively easy? Actually, political asylum is the worst thing that you can ask for, uh, especially in the United States, if your intentions are to stay. My intentions were not to stay. I wanted to come back. I wanted to come back so bad when I f was first taken from here. After like two or three years, I, I found the U.S. to be home. So the problem with that is that political asylum, they can remove you from there as they please, because if there is no more harm or more war going on in the place where you're hiding from, then you should go back and they know exactly where you're at, how to find you, etc. because they know all the time who they gave political asylum to. So as a result, do you have to keep filing, etc.? cetera? Uh, I did a better one. I took the advice of a friend and went to Senator Dick Durbin and Dick Durbin gave me an, an audience and uh, I spoke to him I, and I spoke to him uh, as bluntly as I'm speaking with you. And I said, listen, I don't want to go back. I mean, I fear for my life. And reality is uh, the U.S. has been good to me. I, I've been paying my taxes. I, uh, you know, uh, you know, what can I do to stay? And uh, so he says, all right, let me see what I can do. And uh, but, you know, don't don't get desperate. Something good is going to happen. And I think it was a year later that. Uh, no, it was. Yeah, it was like 1992, 1992. Uh, whoever the president was, I, I think it was Reagan. That was that was Bush, wasn't it? Was it it might have been Bush. I think it's the first Bush. That, that was a big Bush. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the older <laughs> one. The big Bush. <laughs> the big Bush. Uh, yeah. He he allowed residents to everybody that had came in from 1981 on till that date. Oh, that I thought that like was Reagan. Reagan. I that thought that was Reagan. Reagan that did that. I don't know, but it, it was in 1992 that my they, they resolved my my issue. We're gonna do a quick Wikipedia so, search on it. Yeah, 1992 was the big bush. The big bush. <laughs> and, That's and what I thought. Did okay, I didn't know that he did that. I thought it was Reagan. Yeah, I thought. Well, Reagan, Maybe I think, he, did it too. For, but that was for illegal immigration. Yeah, yeah like oh, a, so. Yeah. So Bush maybe did it for uh, 
they did they, they did a lot of protective uh, custody, if you will, during the Reagan uh, times because of what was going on in Central America. Mm-hmm. So that makes a, a lot of sense. But it was it was Bush that made it really official. All right, anyone that came in between 1980-81 and now, you guys get your residency. Okay, so you, you're legal residents, and you can stay legally in the United States. That fixed one of my many issues. It wasn't until after that that I actually managed to come back to Guatemala to visit, and I I thought it was going to be great, and I had planned my trip for two weeks and this and that, a week here, and I wanted to go back so bad because <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't home anymore. There's no J.C. Penney's here. <laughs> I swear to you. Where's Taco Bell? <laughs> Coke tasted different, you know. It, 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 I don't know. It was it was very strange. But yeah, I, I mean, what happened? I mean, I, I it, it was a kid that was 21 when left his country, but yet I felt more American than Guatemalan. In, in fact, I have more feelings for America than I do for Guatemala. And there is, my fair explanation is that America taught me to be an adult. I had never in my life worked. Never. I didn't have the need to work. Dad, I need money to take my girlfriend to the theater. Okay. Dad, I need to fill up my car. Okay. Dad, I need a new car. Okay. I never worked in my life. Until I went to the States and I started where every, let's be a stereotypist, like any Mexican, started in the kitchen, washing dishes, (laughs) and and moved up from there. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, in in a nutshell, I would like to say that there are groups, there are still extremist groups that uh, will continue going on. There is one forming right now that is coming in very, very strong with a lot of money and a, a lot of strong people in the right places, but they do not have the military behind them. And you need the military behind you if you want to win this country. It seems like a lot, um, a lot, of, uh, a lot of countries have kind of a nationalistic movement going on. Is that the same in Guatemala? Yes. Uh, currently and actually uh, for quite a few years, it, it, it has hap- happened that, you know, it's so someone wants something for nothing and they're going to go through any means to get it. And they call it uh, democracy. It is not far from it. Once they are in power, they just start taking away and uh, stealing everything that the country has to offer or the country has. You know, if, if you look up the salary of, of a president here in Guatemala, it's outrageous in comparison to the president of the United States. I mean, it's outrageous. I, I don't know exactly how much it is, but it's close to a million dollars a month. Wow, that's pretty good. Uh, the president only makes four hundred fifty thousand a year, something like that. Yeah. Five hundred thousand or something. It doesn't matter. But then they make money off books. But that's legally done. These guys just straight up, you know. Uh, let's say any country, uh, the United States, uh, England, whatever, send 
help uh, to build roads because our, the roads are all messed up. So they sent $30 billion to build all our, our roads. The United States sent us uh, $10 million or $10 billion. What happened yeah. to the R20? You know, and that happened recently. You know, something ridiculous. It happened because of COVID-19. Uh, help was sent. Uh, so that they could help people that couldn't work anymore. And that help was like $30 million. They can only explain 10. I just, you know, blew up the, the figures a little. But, yeah, they could only account for $10 million. Where is the other 20? And that's only $20 million. And now the sign of the week. Secret signs to pay attention to. So you know who's a member and who needs to be. What did you do this weekend, Nathan? No. That's so the sign this week is this is how you know that someone is a member of the nice cult. If they ask you, how was your weekend on any other day but Monday? Mm, That makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. They're saying they're broadcasting out there. Mm hmm. I'm a member. I yeah. do it every single week on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not Monday. Mm-hmm. Tuesday. But it only applies to this week, though. Now, if they if they show you that they're a member by saying that, is there a proper response to let them know that you're a member, too? Yeah. Eh, not much. No, no, no. Not no. much? That's it. I think the proper response <laughs> is, I worshipped in the nice cult. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's subtle. <laughs> or eh, not much. But if I went to buy a Harley in the US and I paid seventeen thousand dollars for let's say a, a two thousand twenty, I can put it on a ship. Not even ride it here, but put it on a ship for a thousand dollars. They will drop it off at the uh, 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 at the pier. I'll pay two thousand dollars worth of taxes. She's legal. You've been eyeing that Harley, haven't you? I do have one. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. So I I have a, a couple questions. Again, in this doc, this is my only way of knowing what it was like in the eighties. It seemed very third world. Like it seemed Guatemala? like. The stuff that they were showing that was new, the, the only thing that looked nice was a church. I wonder which one was it. It, it must be the main church, the cathedral. Uh, the cathedral has never been harmed, has never been uh, defaced. Uh, they have respected uh, the cathedral always. The same is true, uh, well, almost true, for the government palace. The government palace is a very beautiful building from the 50s. When it was built, and it's just incredible. But yes, uh, third world, yes, absolutely, third world. Uh, where we coming out of being a third world country at a time and moving into a country and develop into a second world, if you will. Yes, we were. We tripped, and now we're back to being a third world country. Oh, you're you're down to a third world country. This is after the 80 coup. We went down again. So after the the 80s coup, it went back up, okay? And it started rising. The economy was uh, being stable and had stabilized. 
and we got a lot of investors coming in, etc. And so everything was going good. But then some greedy governments started coming in and started stealing. And, and they would steal more and more and more until we are back to where we started. I did finish my, my studies in the U.S., but not, a, not as an architect, which was what I was studying here in Guatemala. Did I live well? Yes, I did live very well. Did my dad continue to help me while I was in the U.S.? No. It was time for me to pay back, and it was me sending him help. Uh, not much, you know, a couple of hundred dollars, 300, uh, because I thought it was the right thing to do. So I did it. I, I gave back to who had given me so much because that was the lesson that the U.S. taught me. The other thing is going back a little bit to the whole kidnapping and stuff, people that were actually able to flee the country when the coup happened in 82, they went to the U.S. and they thought they were safe there and they hid there. And again, California being very, very common, someone very, very powerful, uh, the chief of police here in Guatemala went to California with his family. They found him and his family in California, went in, in his house in the middle of the night in Cali, all dead, everybody, except him. They crippled him so that he could see how his whole family was killed. Wow. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice people. I've, I'm still, I'm fascinated by this whole thing because typically in those situations, you're like, oh, the president or the coolie or whatever is the person that's in charge of all this. It didn't seem like he was. And as you said, there's someone even further behind the guy that he was pointing to in that dock that, that was more in charge than all of them. If you look at some of the history in Guatemala and go back to 1950s, I think it was uh, 1954, and I may be way off. Is this the Eisenhower takeover thing that you're talking about? What I'm talking about is Chiquita Banana. That's the one. That's the one. Those guys with the, with the three letters as initials, they sent people to take over. And there was another coup back then. So it's been a coup after another, after another, and it comes ordered by the same three-letter organization. CIA? Maybe ABC. <laughs> ABC, CNN. FBI. Oh, FBI. So do we know the person who was the man behind the crown during this coup that you're talking about? No. I just know that after him, Back in 1982, there was another coup. So the guy that was placed in the head in 1982, I think they took him down a couple of years later. I don't know if it was 84 exactly or 85, but that other per person was uh, Mejia, M-E-J-I-A. He was placed there by the U.S. government. Hmm. Yeah, because, because he was easier to control then. So when you say they took him down, did they kill? Took them down from his pedestal, from the chair. So he retired in a non-death way. The army didn't want to fight the United States. So got it. So they were like, nope. <laughs> 
So he had to resign, basically. Yours is bigger than mine. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Supposedly, it kind of all got started because the Chiquita Banana Company owned about half of Guatemala. And so the government was like, we can't kind of have this. So they put a law in to buy all the land that was not being used. And they bought it at the price that the Chiquita Banana Company said it was worth on their taxes. So it was obviously really, really cheap. And so, <laughs> and so they lost all their land. It just, just ridiculous prices because that's what, you know, it's like on your taxes, you're always like, oh, it's not worth very much. And they pressured Eisenhower into kind of basically doing a little coup there, sadly. So Eisenhower, the U.S. bought the land or... No, the Chiquita Banana Company owned about half of Guatemala. Who bought the land? Uh, they bought the government. The, the Guatemalan government bought it back from them oh, at, at the prices that they said it was worth. Mm-hmm. And 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 they's like, well, we can't have that. You know, and Eisenhower listened to them. Oh, man, I can't believe that guy. All right, guys. Is this a cult? Well, we have a charismatic leader behind the... We've got the banana corporation. <laughs> this is, this is, this... Wait, wait. I'll... All right. You're going to have to do a little digging, all right? Which mm-hmm. is not too far down. 1982. Fo- follow that guy that was with the, with the mustache. His, na- his name was Ephraim. Okay? Uh, his okay. last name, Rios. R-I-O-S. All right. So if you look him up, you will find that he did start a cult called Verbo, V-E-R-B-O. No way. Are you kidding me? I missed that. (laughs) Nathan's looking it up right now. No. Verbo, B-E-R-B-O? Yep, that was the name of his uh, cult. And that thing grew so big. That everyone that was somebody in Guatemala needed to be part of it if you wanted to survive. Well, there's her tie-in. It definitely <laughs> was a cult. <laughs> the good, the bad, and the culty. And now we discuss what this week's cult did right and where they went wrong. We'll say good things about the cult. Well, if you're in charge, you can force everyone else to be a member of it. So as I say, you know, instant success with your cult. <laughs> One thing that you, you learn also from looking at these is it pays to be the leader or the man behind the leader. That's the guy that's raking in all the cash. But so. I, I'm going to throw this on the bad side, though. Well, you're oh, right. was there I'm anything else? About the good? Yeah, we're talking about the good. But what, what, what? Anything else on the good? You, you said it just a moment ago. I mean, you have the power to say either you are or you're not. And if you're indecisive, then you're not. So you're gone anyway. Well, let's jump into the bad for these guys. Then I think that's also in the bad: complete control, not giving people freedom. Well, that's uh, that's obviously something we can't do in our cult. Well, no, that's against our cult. That's yes. what we're saying. That's a bad thing. Yeah, like we don't we don't want that. On that token, guys, if I may, make the comparison with Jim Jones. All right, he had followers. Uh, either they believed him or they didn't, and they believed him all the way to the Kool Aid. 
All right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that one. But, but so no, but that, that's a good that example. Is, but but yeah. that is good because this guy being at the head of the chair, he was able to say, okay, join me or be against me. So he used his power. And since you joined him, you enjoyed of the many different luxuries or things that he had to offer. So it was good for those that joined. And they were alive. But then if you get someone that does the Kool-Aid thing, they're not alive anymore. But they died with their belief, believing that what they were doing was saving them and taking them into a better world. Roberto, are you a lawyer or something? Because you're you're not <laughs> supposed to be fighting. You're not supposed to be saying these are good things. I still. This is really. That's hard. Like you can't say that. That's. I think a he's good wise. Thing. <laughs> he just, he just, just because you believe something does not mean I don't want anyone to join my cult that doesn't agree with the things that we we are going through. So I don't want it to be like I need to convince you that. Not killing people is good. I don't want that. I don't want to. I'm not going to kill you because you don't believe it. Now, let me ask you, who do you want to join you? Someone that has a voice, someone that has an opinion, someone that is going to be heard, or scratch all of the above, you open your mouth and you're, you're out. You do come from a family of lawyers. <laughs> as of as of right now, we'll take anyone and their dog. So <laughs> no, to you join can... our cult. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can definitely we want you to have an opinion, but there that's what we're going through is like, do we want to have that kind of dictation in our cult? We don't. So we can't take that belief on board. We can't take it on board because although you you were very convincing with it, I am too wary of having that much power. We uh, we're we're the, the it's the cult is called the nice cult. And so we have to kind of go by nice principles. We so, can't have our own military. Yeah, we can't have, have our own, own military. We can't have, we can't have executions. Damn. I have one more thing that was bad. Roberto, right from the beginning. The thing that caused this heartache with you was smoking. You went out to go have a smoke, and this is what happened. That's not the worst part. I had a heart attack because of smoking. Oh, my gosh. And then you still, still, smoking is where the root of all your problems are. We are going to, well, we can't, we still allow people to smoke if they want to. But, Roberto, I don't want you to anymore. After they leave a zipper about this big in your chest, yeah, you quit. Yeah. <laughs> Building a cult. And now we take from what we learned this week and build our own cult, one belief at a time. You know, when people from different religions join, uh, join the military or they're drafted into the military, if they can prove that their belief system is nonviolent, they can be a conscientious objector. And that way, so when someone's drafted, like let's say they were drafted into the Vietnam War, that person, <clears throat> if they could prove that their government or their religion didn't allow them to fight and kill people, violence. then they could say, I'm a conscientious objector, objector, and they would not uh, 
they would not make that person fight. And so maybe we put something in our belief system. So if someone becomes a member of the nice cult, they can become a conscientious objector, yeah. objector because we don't believe in, in, in armed burning. violence. I really think that we need to have a military aspect to our cult and, uh, Roberto can be in charge of that. Think, so, yeah. If we do have a military aspect. <laughs> we are, I thought we already had a generalissimo. Oh, we do have a generalissimo. I'm the generalissimo. <laughs> generalissimo. Okay. Well, I guess this is it then, right? It's been a pleasure chit-chatting yeah, chit with you. you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, talking with you guys. Uh, seriously. It really has been. So uh, anytime uh, that I can join you and I have the time, I'll be happy to sit down and listen. We'll have you do the one on Burbo. We'll, we'll have you present it to us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on Burbo. Start reading about it, guys. And I'm going to give you another, another, another twist to that whole thing. That same guy that was sitting there on that chair, his daughter ran for president the last election and they took her out for being related to her dad who had done the coup killed her no they they took her off the ticket okay no. <laughs> i i still like you gotta be clear in what you're saying if i say they took him out <laughs> <laughs> hey roberto i would like to extend a membership if you want to be the first international member of the Nice Cult, and we'll send you a we'll send you the certificate, and I'll accept. How's that? <laughs> awesome! <laughs> yes, that's great. We are now an international cult. I love. Yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> that's when they well, put the music on, and you know, yeah. they start taking everybody off that of the show. We hope you had fun with us as we explored this week's cult. Join our adventure next week as we continue to build our cult one belief at a time. Until then, if you're going to join a cult, join a nice cult. I, I was I, I was part of a motorcycle club up in uh, in Illinois in Woodstock. One of the one of the boys, uh, he was probably about eleven or twelve years older than me. So yeah, he was old. He he caught me. You know he he just catches me uh, walking one day after a ride with the whole group. You know with the whole uh, Harley group, and he says, "Come here, I want to talk to you." And he, and he used to be an angel. And, you know, he looked mean and everything. And I'm like, okay, he's going to cut my neck. So I went and I, you know, chatted <laughs> with him. 
And what he wanted to let me know was that he liked the way that I ride, that he liked the way that I was respectful to others, that I was nice to people, that I had uh, respect for life. Okay. So as a result, he says, I'm going to bring you into our club and you can only come in by invitation, but you have to earn your stripes. Make the long story short, I joined the club. I actually was on probation for a couple of weeks, you know, just how I behaved with the other boys, how I behaved with their girls, etc. And uh, yeah, I didn't look up anyone's skirt. So they, <laughs> they did allow me to stay. I guess my whole point behind this is by invitation. And you guys, uh, you know, you have conversations like this with people, uh, you get to know them and you, you get to find out if they have the same beliefs or not. Or do they scratch uh, the fact that uh, they are somewhat pacifists? Okay, good. This is what we're looking for. Uh, we need someone a little more violent. Well, you know, that guy, if you give him another drink, he can be very violent. Okay. He's useful, you know. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm just throwing ideas at you guys so you can put this thing together. But uh, I, I think, in a way, we all have uh, belong or continue to belong to a cult. And once you're in, you never get out. It's always in you. And that's the end of the episode, everyone. <laughs> that's good. Good last words. No. So, uh, Roberto, would you be that guy for us? <laughs> I mean, peaceful, but with after a couple of drinks, maybe we can talk into something. Yeah. Well, it depends how violent you want me to get to Jack Daniels. Straight up. All right. Yeah. Yeah, all my friends have forbidden me from drinking uh, Jack. I become really mean. Tequila doesn't affect you the same? No. That that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> were you packing when you were in the United States? Did you get a concealed carry or just when you're in Guad? Wow. Just when I was here, in, in 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 what, and still continue to. Mm. That's just my my holster. Mm. But yeah, it's just a matter of safety. My daughter, however, did apply for her license in Illinois. Is it hard to get a permit there in Guatemala? No, not really. You okay. know. The hardest part is passing the, the, the psych test. Not. They do give you a, a psych test, but if I passed it, come on. <laughs> do you have to work? No, this, is, no, this isn't part of that. I'm just questioned. Do you have to work or are you just working because you want to? I like to work. I like to work. And uh, I will continue to work for as long as I have the joy of working. Like right now, I, I mean, you know, um, the person that uh, analyzes our, our calls, uh, she tells me, my God, you enjoy your job. I do. You know, and so when you do something you enjoy, why not? 
Exactly. I love that. Yeah. Yeah.